we are starting this new series on the glory of God. And once you grasp what we are going to be talking about in this series, I am absolutely convinced it is going to change your entire life. If you are not a believer yet, hope you would realize that this is what you're created for. This is, this is what you need. And even if you are a believer, this is going to help all of us to really understand why God put us here, what is our purpose, and how everything fits together. And this can, if we really understand these truths, this will help us to go from a Christian life that may seem like it's, it's missing something, that it may seem like uh, it's checking all the right boxes as truth, but for some reason, uh, it just, it's, it's still in black and white and, and not in color. And I think there's some things that I pray that the Lord will help us understand that will we'll change our hearts and minds and connect our hearts and our minds together. So as we start this series and we go through this, I would like to start with, to introduce this with this first message with a presentation that I like to call three levels of living life. There's three different levels that you can live your life and we want you to identify where you are at and think about what each of these mean. When I was in high school, way back, I remember we had to do a speech uh, for literature. I don't remember what class it was, but we had to do a speech, and we could come up with the topic of our own choosing. And so I decided to be funny that I would pick the most random and the most boring topic that I could think of to subject my classmates to listen to this. So just out of the blue, I, when I turned in what I was going to write my speech on, I submitted that I was going to do my speech on the mating habits of sea slugs. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then I was committed, and I had to do a speech in front of the class on the mating habits of sea slugs, and boy, was that a mistake. Because then I had to research uh, the mating habits of sea slugs. And I'll tell you, I found out things I never wanted to know about sea slugs. <laughs> there are lots of things you, you don't want to know. And I'm not going to tell you here. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. But let me just, um, I'll tell you, they are feisty little critters. Okay? And they mate with the alarming frequency. Okay? Which I guess if you're a sea slug, there's not a whole lot else to do. Because you're down there, I mean, you know, your TV's not coming in. You're, they got the antennas, but still not getting reception, I guess. They basically spend their time, they crawl around in their slime, you know, in their filth. They look for food. You know, I don't know what sea slugs think. Probably most of it is food, 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 or mating, mating. And they look for food, they eat, and they, they mate. And that's, that's their life. Like I said, there's more things I found out about these, uh, these little critters. I won't go into it too much. I did find out that most of them are hermaphrodites. Uh, I won't go into that. And so things get freaky with the, uh, with the sea slugs. And when a lot of them get together, it's Woodstock. Okay? Um, that's all I'll say. But you think of the life of a sea slug. You know, basically they, they eat. Okay? They poop. They They mate and they crawl around in their own slime and filth. And that's their life. That's they're doing this. And as I was you know, doing this report and I'm thinking about it, it just kind of hit me. How 
many people in the world basically live life basically on the same level as a sea slug. We live our lives basically just searching after our own pleasure, our own desire. Everything is wired on just the, the desires that we have. I mean, that's what sea slugs are doing. Okay, they're not after some greater truth. They're not receiving instructions. They just have, you know, desires that come from their hormones or their little slug, if they have a brain, telling them what to do, telling them to mate, telling them to eat, telling them what to, and they crawl around in their filth, and this is how they live their life. So thinking about this, and thinking about this presentation that I want to give to you, to think about three levels of how you live your life. The lowest one that you can have, if you have your bulletin, if you're filling this out, is basically this level of just living for your own desires, living for your own just pleasures, this sea slug life. If you're filling the bulletin, you start from the bottom. We're going to go up in this message instead of going from top down, filling it in that way. So I want to talk about these three levels. And if we want to say this the most pleasant way we can, it's living for your own happiness. Living for what you think is going to make you happy. Another way we could say it is living for your pleasures, living for your desires, and living those things out. Think of pleasure, desires. I mean, people, that is what they are after. That's why they think this is what life is about. This is what will make them happy. Living for your pleasures, that's called hedonism. That's just if it makes you happy, if it feels good, do it. And that brings you happiness in life. I think even, to, well, especially today, but how much of people think that, that life and fulfillment is about seeking um, sexual fulfillment, fulfilling whatever desires or impulses that, that they feel that are, that are coming upon them, that they have to live that out. And they'll be happy if they can live that out. And they'll be unhappy if they have to, if they have to stifle that or control that at all or deny themselves any of those desires. But it doesn't take much time. You're watching TV or just thinking about friends or neighbors or even our own lives to realize that's what people live for, whether it's that or just uh, being food connoisseurs or the different pleasures in life. What do you have? There's all these different things. Following desires. If people just view us as a very evolved version of a sea slug, then basically life is the same thing. If there's nothing that really separates us and puts us in a different category, then if you have impulses from your brain that are telling you to do things, well, you follow those impulses. If you have chemicals in your body that are triggering something, telling you to do things, you, you follow those desires. If you have hormones that are leading you to do something, you follow these things. People are living for their own pleasures, their own desires, or as I said, you could put it in a, in a nicer way, they're living for their own happiness, or at least what they believe will bring them happiness. Oftentimes not finding it, but seeking it the, the best that they can. But living at this level of life that I think is basically the same as a sea slug, living for their desires, crawling around in their filth and their muck and their life. Paul talks about this in the book of Ephesians in a way. He's talking to Christians in Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 19. He says, Now I say this and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. 
So, okay, you're a Christian now. Stop living like the, the non-Christians. That's what he's referring to here as the Gentiles, even though Gentiles could become Christians. But the way that you were before Christ, don't live that way. Don't walk that way. And the futility of your minds, you're not even thinking straight. Your, your mind is darkened. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And left to our own, without Christ, I think that, that's our life. We just follow our desires, live for the sensual, earthly pleasures, and eager to go into every type of impurity. You know, and the world is very willing to you know, help you stoke those desires for impurity and to deliver it to you through the internet or Netflix or all these different means. And so you can live this level of life uh, and be the happiest sea slug that you can be crawling around in your own slime and, and your own filth. You know, this passage, is a lot to think about it. You know, our, our understanding is darkened. Before Christ, we're separated from the life of God. What a big deal that is. The God who has made us, the one in whom there is life, that before Christ, before putting your faith in Jesus Christ and being saved, we're, you're disconnected from the source. You're, you're unplugged from the, the ultimate power outlet that, that makes things work. We're separated from God. And if we die that way, we stay separated forever. And that means not going to heaven, but going to the place that's not heaven. And it talks about losing our sensitivity being callous. Sensi- we have a hardness of heart to the things of God. We don't care about him. Becoming callous where we're not sensitive to sin, that it should cause us a sense of discomfort. You know, there's things when you get, when your pain reminds you that something is wrong, but sometimes you get, you know, calluses and you don't feel that pain that you used to. You learn to play guitar, It hurts for a long time, but then you get these calluses and it doesn't hurt anymore, and that, that might be good. But if you're building up calluses about sin, where now you sin and it doesn't even affect you, that's, that's a bad thing. But that's our world, and they go on greedy to practice every kind of impurity. God is trying to rescue you from this level of living. He's trying to rescue you from this life that is disconnected from God, and that is all just about trying to seek your own pleasures and happiness and your desires, living the level of a sea slug. Now I have to, do say, I have to say this and point this out. You know, some people have more sophisticated desires than other people, and they're into the, the finer things in life, you know, and say, well, you know, I'm not a sea slug, I'm into opera music. Okay, or I drink, you know, fine wine with my pinky extended, and I'm, I'm fancy. You know, and people are, they believe they're cultured, and they're, they're into the sophisticated, you know, fancy happiness. But in one level, it's still all the same thing. They're living this level of a sea slug, living for their own desires. So that's level one, okay? This is not the level we want to remain on. We want to move to a higher level, I'm going to tell you what I think level two is that you need to move from. We realize we're, we're, we're not to live for this. We're being saved out of this. So level two is living for the glory of God. 
living for him, living for God's glory. We realize life is not all about you. It is not about uh, just your happiness and what you get out of it. You know, sea slugs are self-centered. I don't think they're going around thinking about how can I contribute to others? How can I contribute to the good of sea slug society? And they're definitely not thinking about their maker because they don't know about the God that made them. They're not made in God's image. And sea slugs, and I think most people are self-centered. We view ourselves as the center of the world, the center of the universe. We think the world revolves around us. And in our thinking, everything revolves around us. But we hit a point where we realize, and when we become a Christian and we put ourselves, we submit to Jesus Christ and we realize he's our Savior, he's our, he died for us, and he made us. He deserves to be our Lord. He deserves to call the shots. And this has a revolution in our thinking. We didn't make ourselves. He, he's the one that created us. God is the center of everything, and he saves us. And we realize it just makes sense that we should be living for him. We should be living for, for his glory. We exist for his glory. And you know what? This is biblical. It's biblical to be living for the glory of God. I'll just give you just one verse. In 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Paul says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, okay, what's this going to be? Do all for the glory of God. So anything that you're doing, and he was talking about a specific issue the Corinthians were having, should they eat this type of food? But notice he's saying in everything you do, in that circumstance, in everything, everything that you do today, both being in church when you leave church, everything that you do tomorrow, the stuff that you consider the, the, the sacred churchy things, but everyday life as well, find a way for that to be for the glory of God. That's what we are called to do. It's this, this higher calling then this, this low-level, live-for-your-impulses-like-a-sea-slug type of living. So this is biblical. Now we wonder, well, what exactly does that mean? Okay, live for the glory of God. And I, sometimes people struggle with that. And, okay, um, you know what? I, I need to live for the glory of God. And so uh, I, I guess I need to, you know, paint, uh, you know, Jesus is Lord really big on the side of my house. You know, so everyone sees it. And that's, that's what it means. I'm going to live for the glory of God, but I'm going to paint this on my house. People try to think, what, what does this mean to us? We build, you know, monuments. I mean, throughout the ages, people thought, well, this must mean build, you know, really big churches. You know, back in the medieval ages, you had, you know, giant, beautiful, awesome cathedrals, you know, that pointed to the sky and, you know, sometimes took centuries to build. They're so ornate, and it's for the, for the glory of God. They recognize that God's glory was, was worth this. Sometimes you think, well, living for the glory of God, you know, praise music. It praises him. So let's, we need to do that. Maybe have that going 24-7. You know, keep that, keep that playing, uh, you know, in the house. Keep that playing in the church here. Keep that playing in your head, praising God. You know, it's, well, I want my, my household to be praising him, so I'm just going to leave the... Uh, you know, leave the sound system going at home so that, you know, there's praise music going even when I'm not there. Like, well, I need to start changing things, you know. Instead of just wearing regular T-shirts, you can wear a Christian T-shirt. Bring glory to God. Instead of, you know, wearing just regular secular socks, start wearing Christian socks. Instead of eating that regular secular worldly ice cream, you start eating Christian ice cream. It's different things. 
So sometimes, you know, we struggle, what exactly does this mean? Is this what we're supposed to do? You know, it can mean denying ourselves certain pleasures. And there's biblical statements, you know, for that. There's things we should deny ourselves. And we should be committed. We should take up our cross daily. We should follow him. These are, all, these are biblical things. Those are true. Sometimes people may take that the wrong way. Um, and say, you know, giving a pleasure like the medieval monks that would, you know, renounce all their possessions, you know, wear a scratchy, you know, robes made of hair and barely eat and barely sleep and uh, live that way and, you know, whip themselves, you know, punish themselves, deny themselves. But there's some basic things of this that you can find verses that, that talk about these things. Maybe some of those are the wrong way to deal with it, but we realize, well, it's, it's still biblical. We are called to deny ourselves, to to discipline ourselves, to do everything for the glory of God, to, to be committed, to do our duty. At this point in the message, you might be thinking, wait a second here, why is this level two? Because if living for the glory of God, that, that seems like that's the thing. Seems like that's the answer. Why isn't that the top level here? You know, why are you explaining this in a way that there's level one, living for your happiness, Level two, living for the glory of God, that seems like it should be it. And there's, there's verses that, that talk about this. And the reason I want to bring this up, and I think it's so important, I think this is a reason why so many times there are Christians that burn out in the Christian life. And maybe sometimes they wander away from church. Things start seeming dry to them. Things start seeming cold to them. The relationship with God seems like a duty, seems like a formality. It seems like there's no life to it. Like you're checking all the right boxes, you're doing all the things you think you're supposed to be doing, denying yourself, living for him, being, making sure that you're, you're not being happy so that you're, you're instead just living for, for his glory instead and not your own happiness. And so I want to start this message of this series with something that we're going to be unpacking the rest of this series and this is what I think, this, when this really sinks in, and sometimes this takes a while for it to really, it took me a while to really grasp what this meant and the implications for it, is to realize that this level two is, is not the top level. It's not, it doesn't make all the connections. There's still something that's, that's not hooked up quite right in the wiring here. I want to tell you something I think will free you up from some of these burdens, now, we all know that level one, yeah, the, that's shallow and that's wrong. And level two, we're right here, it seems it biblical, and there's, there's good verses, but yeah, somehow it doesn't satisfy, and sometimes you feel guilty about it because you think you should be more satisfied and living for the glory of God, and you wrestle with that. We have to realize we are also wired to be happy. And in this series, I'm going to, Make the case. And I think I can demonstrate it to you that you are wired to be happy. I remember as a kid thinking about, you know, just a little, little kid pondering, I don't know, in a philosophical moment, laying in my you know, bed on my you know, Star Wars mattress, you know, pondering the meaning of life and thinking, you know, I think it's all about, you know, being happy. You're finding what, what makes you happy. And, and then later on you grow up and say, well, maybe that's not right. You're not, you're not supposed to be happy. You're supposed to live for the glory of God. But then when I realize the next thing I'm going to show you, it really, it does change everything. It absolutely does. So, 
you're in suspense. Level three, level one, living for your own happiness. Level two, living for the glory of God. Level three, living for your happiness in the glory of God. That's the difference. That's, that's the big secret. That God actually does want you to be happy. God actually does want to give you fulfillment. God wants you to have joy, wants you to have delight. And I, I think I can prove it to you. That God wants you to have delight in Psalm 37, verse 4. It starts and it says, Delight yourself. Let's just stop right there in that verse. But think of what this means. This in the psalm is, is God, through his word, telling you to delight yourself. Okay? So you are supposed to have some kind of, some kind of delight, some kind of joy, some kind of happiness, some kind of, some kind of pleasure. And you are, this isn't just, you know, other people, delight them, but you are commanded to, you're told to, Delight yourself. Have something where you can be happy. You can have fulfillment. You can have joy. Now, if we just stop there, there's all kinds of ways that would be literally taking it out of context because there's other words along with this. Because I think there's some people who say, okay, delight yourself. God wants me to be happy. So, you know, there's a lot of sin out there that makes me happy. There's a lot of worldly things. You know, maybe sleeping in on Sunday makes me more happy than going to church. So, but God says... He wants me to delight myself, so I'm just going to follow those desires and impulses. Well, that's why we keep reading. Delight yourself, but don't miss the fact that God is commanding you to be happy. He is commanding you to have delight. But he says, delight yourself in the Lord. He's not saying, find your delight in the things that are against God. Find your delight in the world. Find your delight in, in sin. Definitely not doing that. But you're specifically told where you can find delight. Where you can find, you ought to, you need to find this, this happiness. And that it is, it is in the Lord. And then look at the last part of this verse. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Spend time this week meditating, pondering this verse. What it means that you're commanded to delight yourself. You're to delight yourself in the Lord. And we're going to be making the case in this series that that is the ultimate source of happiness. There's no place you could go to delight yourself where you can get more delight. And you can get more happiness. But in the Lord. And then he will give you the desires of your heart. Now don't misunderstand this. God isn't saying... All right, there's something out there that you really want to get. And there's something you love in the world and you're looking for you know, that car or that person or this desire or whatever it is. And you think that's going to make you happy. So, all right, I got to come to church. I got to delight myself in the Lord. Let's see how many songs we have to do. Uh, so I can, I'm delighted in him. Now, God, give me that other thing that I want. That's not what this is saying. It's saying if we, once our heart is changed... So that what delights us most is him. Then God gives us, gives you what delights you the most, which is him. Which is the, the, the joy, the satisfaction 
that comes from him, and that is knowing him, having relationship with him, delighting in, in him. This is the purpose. This is the central core of just everything. Again, it's not delight yourself in the Lord and giving you something else, but it's make God your treasure, and then God will give you your treasure because your treasure is God. And this glorifies him when you do this. And it also gives you the treasure, and it gives you the joy. He is the greatest happiness. He is a source of this happiness, and he is the happiness that you were created for. And if you try to find happiness in other things, it, it doesn't last. It doesn't work. It's false. It can only be temporary at best. And usually you go down that road, and it leads to heartache, and it leads to ruin. And definitely, if not in this life, definitely in the life to come. Now, it's not just Psalm 37, verse 4. I'll just give you a few other verses here. I'll just read these to you. In John 17, 13, Jesus said, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus came so that you may have joy in yourself. Yes, we're to live for the glory of God. But it's also a glory that, that you get joy in and through this. Psalm 73, 25 and 26. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire beside you. My f- flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 43, 4. Then I will go to the altar of God to God my exceeding joy. And I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Happiness in God, when we realize this, this is the most real happiness there is. There are other happinesses people go for, but they're mirages, they're illusions. You think it's going to bring you happiness, but when you get there, you realize it's a pile of sand. It does not satisfy. It cannot satisfy. But God, the happiness that you get from him, this is not a mirage. It is is real because, and God is the most real thing there is. It is the most lasting type of happiness. All their happiness is just fleeting. I mean, sometimes people live for things or make decisions, and sometimes it's to get 30 seconds of joy. Maybe it'll last longer. Maybe, if you're lucky, you, you think it'd be something that it's going to make you, you know, just uh, thrilled for the rest of your life. Maybe. Usually it doesn't. But even if it does, this life comes to an end, and then there's eternity. But usually it doesn't last. You know, that if you are looking for love with that, that beautiful person, looks fade, Money runs out. The highs that you used to get don't give you the same high that they used to. But you know, God doesn't change. God doesn't wear out. God is, God is everlasting. Okay, he doesn't wear out. He's like, you know, if, if God were a set of tires, he would still have those little nubby things on it that says he's new. He's not wearing down at all. So if he is your source of happiness, you know, 
you're, you're never getting uh, to the end of that lollipop where it goes away. He's everlasting forever and forevermore. And happiness in him is the most satisfying that there is. It's pure. There are no hangovers, no regrets, no guilt that comes with so many of these other false happinesses in the world, unfortunate consequences that happen with some of these things. The most satisfying because you were designed for this. God brought you into the world for this. He created you in his image for this purpose, that you could know him and that you could have this connection with him. And when you live the way that you're designed, that's satisfying. And this happiness in the Lord is the most intense. It's the strongest, greater than any other pleasure. And if we don't realize that now, if we don't, it's not that there's a problem with God, it's there's a problem with us. And the more that God changes us, the more that God heals us, the more that God causes our, the, the eyes of our heart to be open to him, the more we can see this. What we were blind to before, his beauty, his greatness, his glory. I realize, wow, we have been looking at the little pleasures of nightlights when God is the blazing sun and his glory and his beauty and the joy that he gives. And finding your happiness in God, we'll see this glorifies God. And it is the best thing for us. It's both these things together. When you find your happiness in God, God is glorified. He gets the glory, we get the joy. That's a lot to absorb. In this series, I'm glad that we're going to be able to unpack this over the next few weeks. Some of the things we'll cover in this series demonstrate that God's glory is the ultimate purpose for everything, what that means, how it makes everything make sense. Talk about the question, you know, does this mean, is God self-centered? And if he is, is that okay? Does it mean that it's wrong for me to be happy? And we're going to see the answer is no, when we understand it the right way, because we'll see that that God's glory and our joy are connected. As John Piper says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. And this changes everything. It really does. It means that you can live for God's glory, and it's no longer this dry duty, but it's something that gives glory to him, but also gives you the fulfillment that God created you for. And actually, if you don't find fulfillment in God, if you don't find the satisfaction, you're not glorifying him the way that you want to. For this to work together is you get the joy and he gets the glory. This is awesome, beautiful thing that we couldn't have come up with something like this. But this is the universe, the world that God put together. And it makes sense of everything. It even makes sense of self-denial. It makes sense of why there is even suffering in the world that God allows. And we'll be talking about that as well. I mean this very literally. Everything changes when you realize that the glory of God is central. God doesn't want you to live like love. God doesn't want you to live your life like a sea slug. And God also does not want you to just settle at the second level where it ends up just being dry duty. There's so much more. There is blessed happiness in the Lord. This is what you were created for. And this is also what Jesus Christ came for. 
so that he, taking your place, your sin on the cross, that when you put your faith, your trust in him, and I pray that you have, and if you haven't, I pray that you will, you can be reconnected to the life of God and have your heart and your life change and start to experience this and to know the love of God. And you will find the love of God shining nowhere as bright as in the love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, as we come before you, help us to understand what you created us for. Help us to realize that you did not create us to just live for our own impulses, our own desires, and to live at this base level, Lord God, like some animal that was not created in your image. We were created for you, and we were created for your glory. Well, Lord, help us to see and to realize in our hearts that this also means that we do get to be happy with a true type of happiness that is in you. Help us to delight in the Lord, to delight in you, Lord God, and do what it takes. Lord, I ask if there's people here that don't know you as Savior, that you would save them, that they would come to you receiving the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ as their substitute so that they can have their sins forgiven and be reconnected with the God that made them and be working in our life. Peel away all the things that are, that are blocking our vision of you, all the, the deadness in our heart, all the blindness in our hearts so that we can see you and know you and savor you and have joy in you, Lord God. And may you be glorified. In the name of Jesus Christ, our beautiful Savior, we pray. Amen.